Welcome to the Life Exchange Podcast, where we give you practical solutions for self, community, and culture. God made us threefold beings in that we are a spirit with a soul and we live in a body. All three of these areas work together and are often more connected than we even realize. In this episode, we'll talk about what happens physically when our emotions overtake logic and what we can do when this happens to prevent future hijacks, repair past ones, and walk in overall health. For more resources, visit us at www.givinglight.org. Without further delay, let's jump right into it. Hi, I'm Melody Hilton. And I'm Joel Hilton. And I'm Katie Stansfield. And today we're going to be talking about emotions, and especially when emotions take over our reasoning, our thinking. Uh, And another phrase for that is emotional hijacking. Um, And I know for me, I've spent my entire life, I remember being a little girl Mm -hmm. trying to process my emotions. Um, And so this topic has been one that has really helped me through the years um, to be able to navigate my own emotions and also the emotions of others. So Dr. Melody, can you tell us a little bit about what emotional hijacking hijacking is? Well, as you said, it's when our emotions take over our wisdom, our reasoning, uh, our proper processing, you know, uh, objectively, not just emotionally, subjectively. But there's a science that backs it up. And the center of our brain where our amygdala is, is the reward center of our brain. It's where our emotions, it's where our reactions are, it's where our memory uh, is established, especially uh, either extremely positive or negative memory. Mm -hmm. But then we have the frontal cortex of our brain, which is the executive portion of our brain, which is where our thinking, our processing, and our wisdom is established. So when we emotionally hijack, uh, we throw wisdom out the window, we throw knowledge out the window, we throw all that away, everything we know, because our emotions are so heightened because of fear, because of a lot of different things, we can react. You ever hear the term, get your button pushed and you overreact? That's, That's a form of emotional hijacking. Yeah. So basically what you're saying is that we have different, there's different parts of our brains that serve us in different ways and yes. different functions. So we have a thinking portion of our brain and a feeling portion of our brain. Uh, and that that feeling portion of our brain, the amygdala, uh, that's our fight or flight center. Is that correct? In, in, in a sense. Okay, so uh, we've we've probably all heard that fight or flight uh, response. You know, when you're when you're as you said, your button is pushed uh, and you just react. It no longer is going through process or reasoning or thinking. You're just reacting. And and I know I can say for myself, there have been times where I've reacted, and then once my thinking brain turned back on, I thought, "Why did you do that? Mm-hmm. You, you were re- what reacting. Was I what was I thinking? Right? So." We, we react uh, without thought, uh, and that can really cause problems for us in our, in our relationships especially. Yes, whether it's at home, whether it's in ministry, whether it's in business, whenever we are triggered by fear, and really that's what it is. Yeah. It is fear-based. And we, we must understand this because we do not want to trust our emotions over wisdom. We don't want to trust fear or stress-filled emotion. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important because when we feel something, we feel what we feel. How do we not feel what we feel? So it's very intense. There's uh, chemicals that are flooding through our body. It seems like reality to us at the moment. Right. And but in actuality, it is all that memory that is stored, you know, in our brain, in our amygdala. Uh, there's another portion of the brain called the basal ganglia, which stores the memory of every major disappointment we had in our life. Yeah. So all those things coming together can cause us to hijack. And, you know, this can really harm relationship if I'm hijacking all the time. Right. Yeah. And I think we should talk just a little bit about, um, so the, the purpose for that fight or flight response is actually to protect us from danger, right? So physical danger, physical danger. So if an attacker is coming at me, I am going to react without thinking to protect and preserve my life. Can I give you an illustration? Yes. Of that? Yes. <laughs> uh, years ago I was in, uh, Africa and I went on a safari and, and, um, it was after the rainy season and there was these big potholes <laughs> in the ground and, and we were just going through the bush and, 
And the driver said, was talking about the different um, animals. And they said the most volatile animal was the water buffalo. And he began to explain how the water buffalo would respond before it would attack because it was very quick to attack. And here we came up about six feet uh, to a water buffalo. And uh, we're looking, we were in like a van, a matatu it was called. And we were looking at this huge water buffalo and it shook its head. And we go, wow, that's what... in my mind, this is all happening in a millisecond. Yeah. Uh, in my mind, I think, oh, that's what the drivers said that they do. And it's like a warning saying, get away from me. <laughs> and then I saw him like stomp his foot. And I go, oh, that's what the driver said they would do. And in that moment, man, he started charging our matatu. Oh my God. And so we are just like the drivers putting on the gas and we're going through and we're bouncing through these water holes. And it was really intense. And when the matatu stopped, Here, a young woman that was in the very back seat of the Matatu, so it's like four, three rows back, the driver and the passenger, and then three rows back, and here she was sitting up between the driver and the passenger (laughs) on the floor in the middle, and she had no idea how she got up there. Yeah. No, I mean, in in a second, and what that was, that was the fight or flight. Right. That was a an amygdala hijacking or an emotional hijacking, which was good because in her being, she was doing that to save her physical life because she was right where that water buffalo was charging. And uh, we laughed about it. It was funny, not remembering how she got up there. And that's what the fight or flight is for. God put that inside of us to protect us from danger, physical danger. Yeah, because you you don't have time to process through. You just need to save your life. Right. Um, but, But what's really interesting is along with that, your brain will react the same way when it comes to an emotional threat or an ego threat. An ego attack. Yeah. Yeah, So it's not something that's happening physically to you. It's something that's happening emotionally to you. But Mm -hmm. your brain can't differentiate between the two. And so it will respond in that same way. So you are then, um, you know, do you ever just say something that you were like, oh, I I didn't actually mean that. It just flew out of my mouth because I was protecting myself or... um, or, you know, it, it could be physical. You ever, you know, punch somebody in the in the nose and then you're like, oh, I I wasn't thinking, I was reacting. It was a reactional thing to protect my ego. And I think a lot of those things, the more understanding we have of this, the more aware we are and the wiser uh, the more we can apply wisdom to our circumstances. Yeah. And I know Joel, he's got young kids mm-hmm. and he has seen his kids emotionally hijack. <laughs> Yeah, many for times sure. yeah. <laughs> because they don't have the emotional maturity yet. So are there different levels or intensities of emotional hijacking? Because obviously when a three-year-old does it, they're, they're, they're flipping their body, you know, they're, <laughs> they're rolling on the ground. But as we get older, you know, some of us definitely mature. And so could there still be intensities of it? We're still being hijacked, but it's maybe not to the intensity that you know, maybe a a Mm five-year-old would. I think people learn how to react to things in a way that connects to them. And as we get older, we might gain more maturity or we hope we gain more maturity. But sometimes as people grow, they live in almost a a mental, emotional hijacking stage where Mm -hmm. they're constantly blaming. Yeah, And they're constantly triggered and they don't process through it with wisdom to acknowledge that this was not healthy behavior. So that's their their state. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you hear about road rage. Somebody, an old Mm -hmm. lady, you know, here I am. I think, man, if I don't drive perfectly, you know, somebody can flip out, young person, (laughs) that old lady slowing me down here. Mm -hmm. But, you know, road rage or whatever might be, people react. Things we've seen in our nation with with violence and... Mm -hmm riots and all those things, people are so driven by the emotion of whatever it is that they do crazy things. In fact, people really act opposite of who God created them to act when they're emotionally hijacking because they're not yielding to wisdom. So you've seen with your kids, Joel, as they've gotten older, they've learned to manage their emotions more appropriately. 
So emotional hijacking isn't always expressed as violence, which it can be, um, Mm -hmm. or a a temper tantrum or something like that, but it could also be really passive as well. Yeah, because you could... uh you could get apathetic, you could get indifference, you could say, talk to the hand, you could treat people in a way. I guess what I'm trying to clarify is, you know, emotional hijacking doesn't look the same for every person. Right. Right. It's not always this, you know, there's some people that, you know, if you get around them, there's a chance that they're going to explode. Yeah. Right. If you say the wrong things, but other people might be, they're emotionally hijacked and they shut down. That's exactly well, that's right. That fight, flight, or freeze response. Okay. So freeze. some people are going to lean more towards the fight and the aggress, the aggression. And some people are going to lean more towards the, the flight and the passive, which for me, that's probably... I probably would go more towards the passive, but somebody else. So is that a learned behavior? Is that something that? Well, I is think that personality it's what, or I think it's what we do to ultimately meet the need at the moment. Mm-hmm. So you you could probably feel okay. You're at home with your wife and your kids. Hey, I got a lot of freedom there. Just yeah. to yell yeah, and yeah. scream and yeah. you know mm-hmm. do whatever because they're going to love me anyway. So I'm going to flip out. But then when I'm at work. Yeah. Or I'm at ministry, you know, here you are, pastor in a church. You're not going to do that in a church. So, okay, mm-hmm. you just pull back. Yeah. And you say, well, I'm not going to visit them this week or <laughs> I'm not going to reach out to them this week. And it can become passive. So I think whenever we emotionally hijack, it's very driven by self-preservation. Yeah. So whatever works for us to preserve and protect ourselves at that moment is what we do, whether it's fight, flight, or freeze, yeah. uh, whether we are yelling and screaming or we're withholding love. Whatever it is, it's what I'm doing to protect myself and to some form manipulate the external circumstance to protect myself. Because you want to stay in control. So that manipulation right. is really control. You want to... Um be controlling the situation. You want to be controlling your ability for someone else to hurt you or not hurt you. Correct. And so controlling the situation for some people, it might be yelling and screaming. Yeah, right. For some people, it might be crying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. And yeah. so it's it's not always manifested the same way. In the same person, it could be in different situations. Mm-hmm. and But see, that's why we need to understand even the triggers of emotional hijacking. Because if we do that, because... This is about life exchange, right? Mm -hmm. We want to do life healthy. And whenever we emotionally hijack and are controlled by our emotions, we are most undoubtedly going to regret what we do. Yeah. And we're going to recognize maybe we hurt someone uh, or we've acted in a way that was sabotaging our own success. And so if we're doing life together in business and ministry and family, we want to be able to learn to stop and uh, pause, manage, understand what's going on, acknowledge what's going on in our emotions, and then submit it to wisdom, which we can talk about in a little bit. But I really feel we need to talk about some of the uh, triggers of emotional hijacking. We might not be attacked by a water buffalo every day, (laughs) and so we might not relate to that, but sometimes just feeling powerless. Isn't it true? We've been in situations, and we just don't know what to do. We feel like out of control, things are happening, and we are shaken by that, and we don't know how to respond. We, we don't know what choices to make, and so we just feel powerless. So we step into fear, and so then we begin to react out of that fear-based emotion. Now, those triggers, so when you say powerless, feeling powerless, are those triggers based upon your previous experience? So if as a child, you experience feeling powerless a lot, is that more likely to be then a trigger for you as an adult? Well, I think a lot of our fears our personality is developed from our needs-motivated behaviors. So when my need wasn't met, so that could be different for every person mm-hmm. growing up, you know, the things we've gone through, the things we've experienced. So if I was, well, I'll just use me. You know, I was violated by men, which I talked about in previous episodes. You know, mm-hmm. I was sexually molested, so every man was a perpetrator. So all I did was see a man, and I would emotionally hijack. Yeah. So, so men were your trigger. <laughs> yeah, men was a trigger for me. So 
our life experiences can provide some of those uh, triggers. But for feeling powerless, this can be for anyone. Because I think every human being on the planet has been in situations where they didn't know what to do and they felt like they didn't have power to bring change or to fix something. And whenever you feel powerless... That that's a real fearful place to be because yeah. God gave us power. He gave mm-hmm. us authority. He gave us the ability to choose. Yeah. And whenever I feel I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't, whatever choice I make is going to turn out bad, then it is very easy for me to be very controlled by my emotions at that point rather than submitting it to truth or to yeah. wisdom. Uh, another trigger... I think is every time I feel like I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. I think that is one thing every person on the planet can relate to of saying, well, I'm just not good enough for this, or I'm not good enough to do that, or whether they use those words or not. Yeah. Whenever you give your best and it doesn't turn out like you anticipated, that first reaction is I'm not good enough. Yeah. And that creates fear and it negatively affects our emotions. Yeah. And if we don't submit that stuff to wisdom and truth, because it's truth that makes us free, mm-hmm. free, if we don't submit those things to truth, we will emotionally hijack. We will shout. We will shut down. We could do all kinds of things because I just don't feel good enough. And that's when I might want to cut the whole world off. I don't need friends. I'm better by myself. You know, I can tell you all kinds of lies, but it's that's emotional hijacking. Yeah. And a lot of times those things become cycles. So I don't feel good enough. So my emotions take over my reasoning, which sets me up to do something to where I fail and I'm not good enough. And it just goes around and around and around. And I hate to bring my grandkids into this all the time, but Joel's the one with uh, kids here. (laughs) But, you know, how do they respond if they don't do good on a test? Right away, their belief is they might have made all A's, but they messed up on one test. And then suddenly, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. Mm -hmm. And they get emotional, especially the daughter gets emotional. (laughs) Well, her thing is she'll get a low grade and be like, that was great. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, no, no, we need to work on that. Well, maybe she doesn't do that. I don't know. The boys, you know, they... But but in so many ways, you know, we we can fail at something and then suddenly believe I'm not good enough. And that that triggers us into negative thinking. That's funny that she says that. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, sometimes facing failure or disappointment or, you know, we loved someone so deeply, but they didn't return it. Yeah. You know, all those things make, well, what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not anointed enough. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not intelligent enough. I'm not whatever enough. And those things are, uh, are real triggers that can really negatively affect our relationships, no matter where we're at, no matter who we're with, because the moment I feel that I'll stop, start responding differently to you guys. Yeah. If I walk in and say, well, I'm just an old baby boomer. I'm not good enough. I can't do what they do. So how do I fit? So I pull back and I stop giving my best. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I start walking in shame and, you know, not valuing who I am any longer. All those type of things come from that stupid lie of I'm not good enough. Now my emotions are controlling me. And I go home and say, well, I'll just sit here and just grow old gracefully. It's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So So you were were talking about fear being a trigger. And the last one, you didn't say it, but that would be shame, right? So fear and shame. And really, if you think about fear tries to hide my shame. So wherever there is fear, there's usually shame. Mm -hmm. Because I'm so afraid of you seeing how I feel about myself, what I'm ashamed of in my life, that fear 
covers that to protect the shame. Yeah. So what's so powerful, we, we've got to understand this so we can remove the emotional hijacking, so we can be honest about our emotions, yeah. so fear is dismantled, so I can be who God created me to be. Yeah. And that's where there is a healthy life exchange. I mean, we all have emotions. We all face disappointments. We all face failures. We all face those thoughts every once in a while, I'm not good enough or I'm yeah. powerless. This is just living in a fallen world, live, just being human beings. Mm -hmm. But we have to understand what's happening so we can submit it to wisdom right. and maintain not just our emotional health, but healthy relationships. Because when there's no shame there, Joel, then I can be honest about how I feel. Yeah. Because there's no shame in the emotions I'm feeling, but then I'm able to process through them. And now we're building trust. Yeah rather than reacting and destroying trust. We yeah. we all know when those outbursts happen. So we can become pretty aware when <laughs> yeah. those happen. And so I, I would say you have to be pretty, um, you would have to lack self-awareness if you didn't notice that something was wrong with those outbursts. Well, and to be honest, I think a lot of times people don't even recognize that it's happening because it's so normal mm -hmm. to either the way that they've lived or the way that their environment has been to where people are constantly flying off the handle mm -hmm. to where that is that is their quote-unquote normal. That's the norm, yeah. And so I, I do, I think for me, just even when I learned about emotional hijacking, I began to recognize when, when I was doing it myself uh, and so hopefully you recognize and probably probably those who lean towards the aggression uh, and the fight side, they recognize it sooner because there's more outward consequences mm -hmm. um, to the, some of those things. But um, but yeah, having that sense of self-awareness is really important because we were, then you can respond appropriately. We were talking before about like you can almost live in a state of being yes. emotionally hijacked. Yeah. So if it's normal and that's just part of someone's life, what's the danger of that? Because it just seems like, well, that's just how they live. So what is the actual danger of living in a state of being emotionally hijacked? Is because you never develop the strategies, the systems, the solutions. So you're focused on the problem rather than the solution. You're, you're focused on how you feel rather than who you really are. So really, it is almost... So it, it, it stunts your identity? Yeah, and it almost like blinds your ability to see the true reality mm -hmm. of you and others or what can be vision and purpose and passion and, you know, your value that you hold. It's like all... All that you are in God, it's almost like blinders over your eyes. Yeah. You know, it's it's almost like paralyzing your ability to do the things, to make the strategies, to take the steps, to take the risk, because yeah. you're driven by the emotion and the fear of something rather than, hey, you know what? I'm going to step out here. I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to try this thing. If it fails, well, then I guess I'm going to learn something because yeah. I believe every experience in our life, we are increasing, whether we increase because it works <laughs> or we increase because we had a good education from what didn't work like we thought. And so where we emotionally hijack when we face that failure or that type of thing and we feel we're not good enough, now we're focusing on what we're not rather than what we are. We're yeah. focusing on how we can fail rather than what we can be. Mm -hmm. And and so uh, wisdom always leads us into purpose, into solutions, mm -hmm. into to vision, into potential, into the true reality, because you can't really walk in wisdom without knowledge. So you have to have truth to have wisdom, right? And all that takes place in the frontal cortex of our brain. Yeah. That's why the Bible says we must renew our minds. Yeah. Because the more our mind is renewed and lined up with the word of God, the more we're going to submit our feelings to truth. Yeah. And when we do that, we make better decisions. Whatever we do based upon truth, will always be a good thing. So when we confront that emotional hijacking in our life, when we address it, it kind of removes the lid. I, that's kind of like when you were talking, that's what I was seeing, ah. right? Because every time we step into that, we hit that lid of shame. We hit that lid of fear. We hit that lid mm -hmm. of 
um, whatever it may be. So when we actually address it and deal with it, it actually frees us to go further than what we were before. That's a great illustration. So true. Yeah, so when we really want to deal with this, but uh, let me do it from a leader's perspective. Okay. We need to recognize when other people are emotionally hijacking because we could be very quick. You know what? They always do this. They irritate me. You know, they're <laughs> mm-hmm. whatever, you know, and oh, I'm not going to trust them. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And and I'm not saying trust an emotionally hijacking person, you know. Yeah. Uh, what I'm just saying is instead of judging or criticizing or attacking or pulling away from that person, recognizing that when they're emotionally hijacking, if we can find the reason, the trigger of why they are hijacking and we can present them with truth. So if I can see the reason for their emotional hijack and I present the truth of the word of God or uh, recognize they just need to belong. They just need to feel safe right now. They need a place to be able to communicate how they feel Mm -hmm. without being criticized. Then we as leaders, and so here, you know, we're a team and, and we're walking in this level of maturity, but does that mean our emotions don't get the better of us sometimes. Then we I might wish. not freak out or, or do those things, but I'm sure you can tell if you know Melody's struggling a little, mm-hmm. or I can tell if Katie's struggling a little, or Joel's struggling. You know, we might. And so what we do is we're not critical of that. We give space. We ask, "What can we do, Lord? How do we pray? What What do we do?" you know, for that individual so they can come quickly back to that place of of safety and security and wisdom. I think, so we're talking about emotional hijacking, uh, which is an actual body response. Yes. This is something that's happening physiologically in your body. And so uh, one thing I want to talk about is what that actually looks like, what that actually means, because we're talking a lot about emotions and feelings, but there's actually a body response to amygdala or emotional hijacking. So what is happening is when that trigger is pushed and you're in that fight or flight response, there's actually chemicals that are being released in your physical body. So those are your stress chemicals that are cortisol and adrenaline. um, And they're they're good. They're there to protect you. They're they're always present in your body. Um, But when that amygdala hijacking takes place, they are flooding through your body and they're creating... So uh, we talk about hormones. And once hormones. it starts, this is important to note because when you feel that, do you ever feel that boom, yeah. something hits you hard? That ke- Those chemicals are flooding through your body for 18 minutes. Yeah. 18 minutes. And it takes three to four hours for them to dissipate. Yeah. Yeah. So that was very, very helpful for me to know um, because a lot of times I think, maybe especially as a woman, I don't know if this is the same for men, but um, it's just like, oh, you're being emotional. Um, And so, so as a woman, I'm thinking, well, what do I do with that? Yes, I'm being emotional, but it is very present. It is very real happening in my body. And so even, even with men, it doesn't matter men or women, this is this process is happening in your body um, to where you are physically feeling the, the, reactions, the the response of these hormones that are flooding through your body. And so I had to learn that time is our friend because I learned that those hormones are, are really rushing and yeah. they need time to regulate. Again, it doesn't mean that they are leaving your body, but they are regulating back to a healthy, normal state. And so I had to learn that time is my friend. And so whether we're talking about ourselves or other people, um, it's really, to me, that's a very practical, very healthy thing to be aware of is when when I'm emotionally hijacking, I know right now is not the time for me to make decisions. I need to give it time. And when somebody else is hijacking, I need to know right now might not be the time to have Correct. that sit down moment and try to work through because it's it needs time. It, the the hormones need to regulate. And so I think sometimes even as leaders, we can say, okay, let's talk through this right now. And sometimes we just need to give it a little time before we actually do that. 
that and that's really good. Or if we talk to somebody, recognize that they're not in, oh, that great revelation, awesome, and they suddenly are okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll use a good illustration like this. Let's say uh, you and your spouse, you know, have a disagreement and you feel this little chasm come between the two of you because somebody got their feelings hurt or somebody said something and, you know, one or the other because... Emotion isn't always crying or looking emotional. Yeah. Emotion causes us to do the opposite as well. So when we see that in a relationship, guess what? It's really not safe when someone is emotionally hijacking to bare your soul. So in a sense, it's like your open heart closes a little bit and you pull back for self-preservation, mm-hmm. not out of being mean or anything like that, but there's a chasm when there's a violation. Yeah. And and you know what? You give it a moment, you guys start talking about it, and okay, everything is forgiven, there's love, there's all those things, but you're going, am I am I still upset because I still don't feel that connection? Mm-hmm. It's, it's like something isn't quite there, the chasm isn't closed, and that is because those chemicals are in your body yeah. for three or four hours. So I might not feel like it's worked through right? when actually... It was worked through, but your body needs to line up right. with the processing of the executive portion right. of your brain. You made good decisions. You asked for forgiveness. You've stepped out to make restitution. You did everything that you knew. But the fact is, I just need to recover. Yeah. Yeah. You just need that time. And and I think also it's, it's really important uh, when you recognize that you're triggered. So let's take it back to me, to us, uh, ourselves. So when you recognize that that is happening, you have... I- I believe it's six seconds um, for, for, so you don't, don't do anything for six seconds. Just take a deep breath um, before you do anything, because that is when that initial trigger is happening. Um, And so did you ever, I I love this meme. I think it's hilarious, but did you ever see the meme that says nobody in the history of the universe has ever calmed down by being told to calm down? (laughs) So I think, you know, we can do that for, uh, for other people, but just recognizing, okay, just take a breath, just take a deep breath. And did you ever, did somebody ever tell you that? Just take a deep breath. Well, that can be frustrating, but uh, when I learned the science behind that, mm-hmm. it really helped me to not just respond, why are you telling me to calm down? But to actually just take a deep breath because it's the, the best thing I could do. Because what that's doing is when you actually physically take a deep breath, you are activating your parasympathetic nervous system and you're telling your brain to calm down. See, the moment you are able to recognize that you're emotionally hijacking, you have just you gained can, power yes, you can over take the emotional hijack. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it starts with that self-awareness. And then there are actual tools that you can do to yep. calm yourself down. So that deep breath, you're actually sending oxygen to the thinking part of your brain mm-hmm. to get the thinking part of your brain turned back on. And so a lot of times when I recognize or when I recognize that somebody else is in an emotional hijack, I'll say, okay, take a deep breath. Okay, let let it out. Because that is the best physical thing that you can do in that moment. And another thing is you want to get the thinking part of your brain turned back on. And so did you ever hear somebody say, go go count to 10 backwards or go um, do multiplication tables, something like that. That is really helpful advice because you're actually physically turning your thinking brain back on. And so I think there's some really practical um, helps that we can do um, for ourselves and for others. And and those things are taking deep breaths. Um, They are doing something thoughtful uh, and they're, they're taking the time giving yourself a little bit of space. Uh, and so I'm not saying when we say take space, it's not stepping away and never dealing with the issue because um, that's just stuffing it down. Um, but just give it actual physical time <laughs> for for those chemicals to regulate. Um, and, and yeah, so you want to focus on getting the thinking part of your brain turned back on, doing something that's going to activate. Um, so you know, listen to a podcast that's about like, you know, how things work, you know, those podcasts, something, anything that is going to get the thinking part of your brain even turned back on. It might have nothing to do with the situation that's happening emotionally, but that's kind of the point. You, you well, need your thinking brain And that's brain why on. I think the truth of the word of God is so important because I know how I'm feeling. I know what I'm believing that isn't true. I've acknowledged the emotional hijack. Uh, so what I do is I, okay, what 
What does God say? What does the word of God say? Yeah. And uh, just feeding, I know many times uh, uh, I will just go and just, you know, put the audio Bible on and just listen and, you know, feed on the word. Yeah. And his word is spirit and his word is life. And if I allow that, basically what has gotten my attention will have my direction. Yeah. So I'm taking my attention off the emotion and mm -hmm. I'm putting my attention on the thinking, yeah. reasoning part of my brain. And I think one important thing too, because see, whenever we're afraid and those things happen, we we begin to go into the darkness, as it were. Yeah. Life is dark and everything is bad. We can't see anything good. And when we step into a place of gratitude, mm -hmm. looking for the good, uh, I've done a little bit of study on smiling and laughter yeah. lately. And, and even a forced smile is <laughs> yep. good. Yeah. You know, I make a choice right now to smile. I make a choice right now to laugh. Yeah. You know, Mary mm -hmm. Hart does good like yeah. a medicine. medicine. Yeah. And so it's very, uh, very difficult, almost impossible to have two opposite emotions at the exact same time. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to have uh, gratitude and anger and rage at the same time. It, it, it They won't. You're going to have one or the other. So if I can step into a place of gratitude, so now my, my attention is on what is life-giving, what is healthy, what is good in my life. It's like uh, instead of searching for the thing that's going wrong, I search for the thing that's going right. Yeah. And that's, that's a cognitive process that we make, but it also is biblical and it it literally brings life into my body spiritually, psychologically, and physically. Yeah. And I know that we're talking um, to leaders. I'm sure that there are leaders listening to this. And and I I truly believe that this is something that you have to master yeah. yourself. Yeah, yeah. And it's going to be very hard to lead people yeah. if you yourself can't Correct. lead yourself. Yeah. So I would just encourage you, um, if you are a leader and you're looking and saying, oh, how can I uh, reproduce this in someone else? Or how can I get my team to uh, step into this truth? I would say, you master it. You yeah. you work on it. You, you become more self-aware of what's going on inside of you and... Uh, yeah. Step into the, the fruit of the Spirit of self-control. Yeah. And when you do that, I believe... Just modeling it before people, you're just going to have a greater open door to impact those around you and yeah. those that you lead. It's so true because, uh, like I said, this is something I've been I've been working on my emotions for my whole life. Mm -hmm. um, but the the more I've become aware of it, the more I've been able to put it into practice. Now, uh, when I see it in somebody else, it's just kind of I can naturally give advice, and it's not because I'm giving advice because oh I'm better. It's because it's something that I have worked on and continue to work on and practice. Um, so and so as a leader, I think it's you cannot control someone else. Yeah. No, you can't. Yeah. Mm -mm. So even even though you you might have like really worked on something like you were talking yeah. about, Katie, you can just offer the suggestion, right. you can offer it, but you cannot make someone do something. And for you to put any ounce of emotional energy into their decision of yep. what they will do internally, I just think it, it's a road that does not lead to... Um, health or happiness it's or a, even success for disappointment <laughs> for sure yeah one of my quotes everybody who knows me i have quotes all the time is powerful people change what they can and choose peace in what they cannot and one thing we cannot change is another person uh but i think it's i think emotional hijacking can be contagious so I yeah. go up to Joel and I start yelling at him. Then he'll start yelling back at mm -hmm. me. And now, you know, now we're in his major, major big fight. Well, Not that we do it, that, it, but that's... <laughs> it gets those um, chemicals flowing yeah, with right. all, within all of us. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, what we can do, somebody can be emotionally hijacking, but we recognize what's happening. So we don't let that cause us right. We to, don't step into their that's right. process. <laughs> that's right. And I don't have... All, so then I am available. There's no condemnation. There's no shame. Right. There's no attack. You're there and you're available. Uh, and and that's powerful because it... One thing you were talking about, Katie, uh, is really was being authentic. 
is is hey, I've gone through this stuff. I've worked on and this I'm my still whole going life. Through this stuff. And so just being real and authentic about, you know, hey, I I'm doing a lot better now. I'm yeah. learning to process through these things now. But the fact is, I've gone through it and I could go through it again. The fact is, this is a part of humanity. Yeah. And 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 I think if we're really real about our process of becoming emotionally healthy, uh then that get, gives people a place of safety to go uh, when they really do want help. And yeah. I think that's important. Um, I do want to close with something that I think since we're talking about emotional hijacking, uh, what do we do when we emotionally hijack? We've affected people, our family, somebody in the church, a friend, you know, whatever it might be. And We've worked through it. The chemicals are gone. We've learned. We've grown. What do we do? You don't go, okay, well, I dealt with it and that's it. <laughs> no, we cannot become self-defensive. We cannot judge somebody. Well, if you want to said that, I never would have emotionally hijacked. Mm -hmm. No, we're not here to blame. We're not here to justify what we've done. We've got to acknowledge it. We've got to repent before God, repent before them. You know what? Somebody can send me an invitation, but I don't have to accept it. Yeah. And so uh, it's so easy to say, well, if you wouldn't have said that, I wouldn't have gotten angry. It's They said it, but I still have a choice to make, and I have to take responsibility for my own life. So once I process through this and I come back to a healthy place, I don't want to justify that or blame. I want to repent to, to God and to others, and I want to forgive myself yeah. and ask for forgiveness. Yeah which is really important. I ask, and if I did something in that process where I can make restitution, I need, because forgiveness without restitution is just, I'm sorry. It really yeah. is like a get out of jail free card yeah. type thing. I said, I, I said, I'm sorry. No, really forgiveness. And what can I do to make this right? I think that's really important. And when, when we are able to acknowledge that and, and ask for forgiveness and and make things right, then we recognize the next time I feel it, listen, this is yeah. a process because now I've done the right thing afterwards. So now I'm developing a new yeah. pattern of thought, a new way of responding, even if I fail. Yeah. So instead of when you do something, something happens, you emotionally hijack, um, you feel shame because of your response. I'm not good enough, whatever the, that cycle is. Instead mm -hmm. of stepping into a, a shame cycle, when you choose to forgive yourself, what you're doing is freeing yourself and telling your brain, this feels good. You're, you're then telling your brain, I want to do it like this again. Instead yes. of going into that shame cycle, you're telling yourself, no, I, I want to move towards power. And what you're doing is telling your brain that I have power to make different decisions. Exactly. And that's a really, really um, powerful, important process for, for us and for our brains. Um, and one other thing, I think it's really important um, to celebrate the little wins. Mm -hmm. um, so when you're in this process of becoming self-aware of your emotions and when these hijacks are happening, um, every single time that you deliberately reject a negative thought or you deliberately accept a positive thought, every time you deliberately even recognize that a hijack is happening, mm -hmm. celebrate that. Bring that into your awareness because every time that you do that, you are again training your brain okay, I have power. We're going to do this like this next time. We're going to learn from our mistakes. We're going to do things differently. Um, and I think that's really important not to, um, not to beat yourself up when this happens, but just by you recognizing that it happens, that in itself is a win. It's a victory. Um, and I think that's really healthy for, for all of us because we're not going to get this right the first time. This takes a lot, a lot, a lot of practice. And the more we do it, the better we're going to get at it. So celebrate those little wins. And every time we celebrate a little win, it feels good. Yeah. And so we're going to want to run to those things that we know ultimately satisfy our soul. Yeah. And bring us fulfillment. Yep. Yeah. I think it's also important to understand that a large majority of our brain function is unconscious. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like our conscious thinking is, is very small. Yeah. And so have you ever... Uh, 
been afraid and your body starts to sweat. Mm -hmm. It's not Uh, like you told your body to start sweating. It's not like you told your heart to start Mm -hmm. beating faster. This, these were functions within the brain that you even had no control over. So how do you take control over things that you're not even conscious of? And I would say you take control of them by commanding the things that you are conscious of. Mm -hmm. And so in that moment, what do you have to do? You Mm -hmm. say, Calm down. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's going to be okay. So you start speaking to yourself, mm-hmm. and guess what happens? It starts, your, your brain will tell your heart to yep. slow down, yep. will tell your body to stop sweating. Whatever the physical reaction is, when you speak life or when you speak hope or when you speak yeah. peace to your yourself, it actually affects the things that you are even unconscious of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah that's really so that good. is super important. But Very the opposite good. is true. Very In good. that moment of fear, you could make it 10 times yeah. worse yes. if you start speaking things of fear and anxiety and hopelessness and anger. Mm-hmm. It will just compound it. And that's why we have a lot of physical issues because we keep on reinforcing these negative yeah. feelings with inside of us. So I would say... You know, there are things within within your soul, within your mind that you are not even conscious of. Mm-hmm. They are subconscious. But how do we take control of those things? We control what we are conscious of. Yeah, and I think when you're in an emotional hijack, so when your emotions have become the biggest thing, um, what we often want to do is keep ruminating on it. What happened? What may, Why am I feeling this way? What did I do? What do I do different? So we just keep stirring around that same thing over and over and over again. It's just our natural propensity to do that. Mm-hmm. And so when we are doing that, we're actually continually releasing those stress hormones through our body. Mm-hmm. We're con- like like you said, um, we're we're just going over and over and over it, um, and that those emotions are staying the biggest thing. And so. Like you said, instead of doing that, if you can make a conscious choice um, to pull out of the emotion, make the emotions not the biggest thing that that are happening inside of you, um, taking those deep breaths, commanding yourself to respond in this way, um, in a in a healthier way, that that's really really going to help. And um, some of the things that I have learned, even practically, um, even for myself and for other people. Uh, when those emotions are driving the car, we have got to do some things to put them back in in the passenger seat where they belong. And some of those things, which Dr. Melody, you kind of referenced, are fun and laughter. I think fun and laughter are one of the most underrated tools <laughs> for our health, our mental health, our physical health. So what I'll tell somebody is instead of going over the situation over and over and over again, Go watch the funniest YouTube video you can find. Go watch the thing that makes you laugh every time. And they're like, no, we have to fix this. We have to figure this out. I have to know why I'm feeling this way. No, no, no. The best thing for you to do right now is to go and laugh. Go do something fun. Get your brain off of the situation. Uh, And then we'll come back to it later when we're able to rightly process it. Another thing is creativity, uh, which can be arts. It can also be puzzles. Doing something that it's engaging the creative part of your brain. Get out in nature. Get it outside because emotions make your world shrink to the size of your emotions. Mm -hmm. So when you're out in nature, it's it's shifting your perspective that no, the world is actually bigger than this emotion that's happening inside of me. Um, Go watch somebody do something that they love. It's expanding your world. It's opening up your worldview to see that there is actually good in the world. There's actually uh, passion. There's actually excitement. There's vision. Um, Those things. Connection. Be around people that you love and don't be around them just to dump and pull them into your mess. Just be around them because they are a safe place, because they, um, they again, expand your world. Uh, and so these really, really practical tools are really helpful um, to get us out of that emotional swirl and, and into a big world, a big perspective again. Do we know how to use the most powerful tool that we have? Life and death are in the power yeah. <laughs> of the tongue. So good. So... Uh, when I when I think of that verse, that verse just tells me the tongue is powerful. Mm-hmm. Yes. So what do I want to empower? Yeah. Do I want to empower life or do I want to empower death? Right. And so when we use that gift that we have, that the tongue is a gift mm-hmm. because it's powerful. Yeah. So are we going to empower uh, 
dead things in our life, hopeless things, mm-hmm. fearful things, frustrating things? Or are we going to empower life? Yeah. And so I just encourage you, you have a powerful tool. Yes. Use it and, and wield it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of my favorite uh, questions or, or phrases to, to say to somebody is, tell me something good. Um, because I think just whether it, whether it's the scripture, whether it's speaking the things of God, or whether it's you know just something, look around and tell me something good. Because it is, it's using your uh, tongue to tell your brain that life is good uh, and that we're going to live a good and healthy life. So it's really good. I guess one of the last questions I have, and I, I've been kind of thinking about it as we've been talking. You know, some people are super spiritual. Mm-hmm. Everything's spiritual. And then you have some people that are super natural. Everything's natural. And we're kind of like in the middle. I think we believe that line between spiritual and natural is very thin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, There's not a really big gap. The natural affects the spiritual. The spiritual affects the natural. Mm-hmm. So uh, Mom, why don't you, can you talk a little bit about that? Because like I said, sometimes people will say, well, this is a demon, this is something <laughs> spiritual, this is some, and where it could just be a natural thing. So how do, how do you kind of bridge that gap between what is spiritual, what is natural, how, how, how do we um, fit those or couple those together so they're not so, they're not so separated? I, I think that would be a whole podcast to really talk <laughs> sure. about that. But I think... Uh, I How think about a, a splash? Okay, <laughs> a splash would be, I think we can relegate everything to the spirit world, you know, good or bad, or we can relegate everything to the natural world rather than recognizing they are partnering together. Yeah. And I think even if it's something is demonic, we have power over it. Mm-hmm. And so I think naturally in our own cognitive ability by what we know by feeding on the truth. If uh, if the enemy walks straight in this room, we, well, I'll give you a good illustration. I was in uh, England and uh, I, I was in a really dark area and mm-hmm. you were very aware of the spiritual dynamics. And mm-hmm. here I was, I was aware of the spiritual dynamics. I wasn't afraid. I wasn't emotionally hijacking, but I was aware. And um, here I was woken up in the middle of the night with this old lady, like old evil lady lurking over. I mean, visibly I saw mm-hmm. this demonic entity. entity, mm-hmm. And I just looked at this. I'll say it, old lady. Uh, but I looked at it and I said, I am just too tired. I'm not messing with you. And I rolled over and went to sleep. Yeah. And guess what? I never saw it again. And so I think if we put so the spirit, what was it? Wigglesworth, you know, mm-hmm. his bed was lifted up and he yeah. looked down, it was the devil. And he goes, Oh, it's just you. And he went back to sleep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so. I'm not saying that we do not wrestle against principalities, powers, rulers mm-hmm. of darkness, and spiritual wickedness in high places. I do also know that I have faced some things in my life that I didn't know until victory came that it was really spiritually based. Mm-hmm. But uh, sometimes we're not always aware if it's spiritually sourced or just natural, just something that's happened. But truth is truth no matter what. And uh, no weapon that is formed against us will have its desired effect. And so if we know the truth, um, then that truth holds us steady to our course. But I do think that we have to recognize we are living in a world where there are principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness. But we also recognize that God has given us power over all the works of darkness. And so... Our mind, we cannot be passive in this world. I think mm-hmm. we're the biggest place where we become problem emotionally, physically, financially, spiritually, whatever. We get passive where we just kind of go with this flow rather than walk in wisdom, walk in truth, and and hold steady to what we know is right. Um, but I was delivered. There was a demon of shame. Mm-hmm. And 
I didn't know it then. I, then I thought it was all melody. But when I recognized that there was a demon of shame and there was a demon of fear, and it all a real a demonic entity will always talk to us in first person. So I was right, Melody. You're damaged goods. You'll never mm-hmm. amount to everything. You, anything. You'll never do this. You know. And, all. and I thought that was me talking to me. Mm-hmm. But when I discovered that it was demonic, I remember I went into. We had a little house, and I went into the living room. I sat like Indian style on the floor, and I said, "Right now, fear in the name of Jesus, <laughs> I command you to leave me." And what brought me to a place of like living in that really probably from the time I was two years old. And here I was 37 and I had, oh my gosh, this is not melody. Yeah. This is demonic. When I recognized it was demonic, I said, I command you to leave me. There wasn't all the counselors, the therapists, uh, all the amazing things that are in the body of Christ now to help people uh, discern. But I took authority. I felt that thing leave. And it's not coming back because I know it's strategies. Uh, I told shame to go and it left. I felt it leave. And I was so aware of its strategies that the moment I have a thought that is shame-based, I go, "Uh uh-uh, you're not going, you're not staying. I am not going back. And so whether or not it is or it isn't in certain situations, the fact is it's still the truth that brings us freedom. And if we are aware that it is from a spiritual realm, we just take authority over that. And we do that through truth. We do that through being a daughter or son of the king with the authority. You know, we're partnering with heaven. We're not in this thing alone. And so do you have something to say about that? Yeah, that's so key. We're, We're not in this thing alone. We're partnering with heaven because I think God is the one who created our physical body. He created those stress hormones to flood our bodies to protect us. He created us with the ability to breathe so that we can turn on the thinking part of our brain. That stuff didn't just happen by accident. He created that. It in itself is supernatural because it was created and designed by God. But we were never meant to live in the natural without him. He always wanted the supernatural and the natural to be be walking uh, hand in hand. So I think uh, what you just said, it's so important. We're partnering with him. And so it is, we do have a body. We have a body to steward and there are natural things because he created them. Um, But we also have a, we are supernatural in that we are spirit and we are connected um, to a spirit world. And so it's really saying, Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. I am not alone. I am not doing this on my own. Um, you are leading me and guiding me. So direct me. Is this a natural thing that I need to address in a natural way? Is it a spiritual thing I need to address in a spiritual way? Is it both and? Um, and I just believe and trust that He is for you. He yes. is for us. He's not against us. He's not left us alone to, to figure this out on our own. And so um, whether it is one way or the other, He is going to help us. In, to go in the in the way that we need to go. So the answer to the question of which one is it, I guess the answer yes. is yes, yes, right? <laughs> the answer is yes. Yeah. So that's why we need discernment. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. why we need spiritual discernment. And that's why we need each other. Yeah. Because yes. sometimes when we don't have discernment, if we have people in our lives that we can trust, yeah. we can go and get their insight, get their perspective. But also, if you're if you're going into a spiritual battle, I would bring a spiritual warrior, mm-hmm. right? If if you need financial help, if you need emotional help, maybe you need to go talk to a counselor or something mm-hmm. like that. So like I said, you can't do this alone. Yeah. We need each other. And so it's so important to pull, um, yes, from the Spirit of God and to have spiritual discernment, but also pull from the people around you. Yeah, I, I want to add something, though, because I think that's really powerful, because I think a lot of times we blame things on the enemy. Mm-hmm. We blame things. And it's you. And it's us. <laughs> exactly. Like, um, uh, you know, I complain, you know, that the devil's stealing all my money and I'm destined for poverty yeah. and all this type of stuff. Yeah. And, and I don't manage my finances and I don't go get that financial uh, counsel that mm-hmm. I need or yeah. I spend irresponsibly or whatever. Um, or, you know, I complain that I'm not feeling good and I'm just living on ice cream and pretzels or something, <laughs> you know? And so uh, I think I think we have to recognize that we have to take responsibility, you know, 
to do what we know to do in the natural Mm -hmm. and uh, do what is right and not blame, you know. Mm -hmm. I I love all the things that you said, Katie. It was just so good because we are partnering with heaven. We are spirit and we, you know, live in a natural world. Um, But I guess I wasn't thinking about it until you started talking, Joel. Often we blame things on the spirit realm when really we, there's something in the natural that... Or we, we spend we our time in. trying to fix a natural thing, and it is a spiritual Correct. thing. So that's why I'm saying the line between them is very thin. Yeah. And so just be aware of that. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. We might have ended with more questions than answers <laughs> yeah. on this one. <laughs> well, it keeps them coming back. Yeah, yeah. That's the hope, yeah. right? <laughs> yes. Well, we hope that you got something out of this. Um, I would encourage you, if the the part about emotional hijacking, if that interests you, just um, do some searching on amygdala hijacking, um, because the more that we're aware of this for ourselves, the more we're able to take um, power over uh, those things in ourselves and become more healthy, and the more that's going to help us to exchange life in a healthy way with the people around us, which is what we're all about here. So uh, bless you guys, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Life Exchange. We'll be back next week with more conversation on topics of life and leadership. Until next time, be sure to check out our website at givinglight.org, where you can learn more about our church and access loads of resources to help you grow in your walk with God and people. If you like what you heard today, we'd be grateful if you would leave a five-star review and share with your friends. Be blessed. Remember to shine your light and have a great week. Thank you.